Boost contains adult themes and language. Listener beware. Welcome to Boozed, where we get supernatural and shit-faced. Thank you for joining us today. I am your host, Camille, and I'm joined with, by, with, by, by my co-host, English. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I learned it. Hello (laughs) again, friends. (laughs) Don't mind, Camille. Just interrupt me. That's fine. It's me, Sydney. For the best. (laughs) It's, it was for the best. Um, How are you doing, Sydney? I'm doing pretty good. It's a nice sunny Saturday, so I'm, I'm feeling good. How are Hopefully. you? I am doing well. It is also, a, well, it's not, it's a, it's sunny now, but it has been raining all morning, so hopefully tomorrow will be better, but um, having a lovely afternoon. A uh, little odd, we are recording in the afternoon, so that's different, yes. or, or almost evening for me. Midday for you? What is midday? Well, I guess midday is in the middle of the day. Uh, I mean, um, it's, it's four. Okay. So. I'm at five. Okay, yeah. You're you're kind of evening. A little evening-ish. Evening light, like a brunch. We're we're day boozed today. We're day Day boozed, yeah. We're day drinking. Woo, why not? (laughs) It's spring. We're here. Um, So uh, I have a bit of a confession. Oh, boy. I didn't didn't do any research for today's episode. Mm. I'm so... What, what does that mean? What are we? Well, I, I didn't do any research because we have a guest. Well, finally. What? I don't, finally. Know what to, I don't know what to do with my hands for some I know. reason. Like I, I feel I, all this like weird energy. I've forget, forgotten how to interact with people. I, I did. <laughs> it's much different when it's just you and I uh, bullshitting with each other. Um, yeah, yeah we, have, we have a guest today. To tell us a story. I didn't have to research anything at the very last minute, like usual. Um, it's all been handled by the lovely Amanda. Hello, Amanda. Hello. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. Um, yeah, it's two o'clock where I am. So this is peak uh, day drinking for me. Oh, nice. very nice. A nice, a nice brunch drink. I yes. Say. We love a boozy brunch. We do. We do. Get some... Um, Canap- canapes is that what they're called some uh a, a charcuterie oh yes a charcuterie board yes <laughs> do it up brunch style awesome well thank you so much for amanda uh, for amanda jesus uh <laughs> you're welcome for me <laughs> <laughs> thank you for you uh we appreciate you here we do appreciate you because we give thanks for our guests we give thanks for our guests and you are also a patron supporter a patreon supporter so extra thank you to you for all of your support. Uh, and you reached out to us to be a guest and I was so happy. I nearly cried. And so here we are. 
Uh, tell us uh, a little bit about yourself. Who's a what's it's who's a what's it's an Amanda? <laughs> yeah, uh, my name is Amanda Grace Waugh. I'm a librarian at the Seattle Public Library. I am a librarian. And I um, have been working somewhat in person in libraries recently. But mostly staying at home, chilling with my uh, husband and our dog, and um, you know, playing the guitar and uh, staring longingly out the window until the world is a better place. Uh, <laughs> Everyone's but... favorite pastime these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, awesome. And I understand you also have a podcast. I do. So I host a library podcast called the Ask Us Desk with my two co-hosts and friends from when I used to work in Texas, but now I'm in Washington. Um, so it's Brittany and Gabby, and we talk about library stuff. We talk about books and um, we have an Instagram at Ask Us Pod and also Twitter, same handle at Ask Us Pod. And we um, are available wherever your podcatcher may be. <laughs> Awesome. Amazing. And Gabby is uh, another wonderful supporter of our show and another uh, Patreon patron as well. So um, that means we are librarian approved. Our podcast is um, super smart, clearly, and <laughs> very a hundred percent factual all the time. Yes. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, disclaimer, no, 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 no. Um, that is not true. But um, no, amazing. So thank you so much. And uh, what are you drinking this evening, Amanda? Or day, this daytime, Amanda? <laughs> this daytime, this daytime. My day drinking. Uh, I am drinking a can of house wine, limited edition rose bubbles. And on the back, it says that two cans equal one bottle. So this can is probably a lot of booze, especially for two o'clock in the afternoon, but <laughs> we'll see how I do. I've opened it now, so I have to drink there it There you all. go. I'm trying Tools. to, I'm, well, I guess because every time I see a glass of wine, I've seen someone else's pour of a glass of wine. So me trying to figure out that that little can is two glasses. I was like, those are short. <laughs> those are small pours <laughs> compared to what people do at home. So that kind of blew my mind that that one can is half a glass of wine or half a bottle of wine, I should say. Mm -hmm. Wow. The can is lovely, lovely rainbow. It looks delicious. Yes, it has a donation $2 to the human rights campaign for every, that's why the rainbow, oh, I'm assuming. Very nice. Lovely. So I am supporting great work with my day drinking. Yes. You are. It's very Charitable. important. <laughs> Charitable and drunk, our two favorite, <laughs> our two favorite things around here. Uh, what have you got today, Sydney? What are you drinking? It looks like um, wine. Also careful, drinking. careful with the glass. Careful okay. with the glass. <laughs> there are no corners. I've got it securely in my hand. Okay. I'm also drinking rosé. Um, I forgot what it was called. I just like grabbed it before we got in, but it's pretty good. I figured, you know, spring day drinking. It kind of matches my shirt. It so, does. Yeah. yeah. A, a nice light blush color. It's, it's blush. Lovely. Lovely. What are what are you having, Camille? Um, well, I did start drinking earlier. Uh, I had lunch, um, a continuation of birthday festivities at lunch this morning. And at lunch, I had a mango martini. 
which was very delicious, very mango-y. And I am continuing the party now a couple of hours later, a few hours later with um, another of uh, the Atlanta Hard Cider Company's Honey Bee Cider. So pretty, it's pretty delicious. Um, it's weird, uh, the people I work with up here, they're always saying, well, everyone thinks honeybee is too sweet. And I'm like, people think this is sweet? Like, what the hell is my sweet tooth doing? Like, clearly my <laughs> sweet tooth is out of control where I was like, no, this tastes normal. <laughs> Everybody's like, it's too <laughs> sweet. I'm like, okay. Can barely taste the honey, but I guess, <laughs> whatever. It's a calib calibrated to the uh, Southern sweet tea standard of mm. Texas. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's it and I do not like sweet tea so but the, I always thought that the Georgia sweet tea was sweeter than the Texas sweet tea oh I thought well, we're gonna <laughs> for the listeners to decide which is sweeter yes. <laughs> hash it out in the comments that, 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 will it down really to be, that will be a fight that'll be an argument <laughs> Georgia versus Texas sweet I can't judge I've not like I don't I've never had Texas sweet I hate sweet tea I hate iced tea it's... I like an Arnold Palmer every now and then. Mm. Mm, I can't even know. I'm good. No thanks. Give me it. Give me the British, the British version of tea, the hot tea, mm. hot tea, a white hot tea. That's my that's <laughs> my jam. But you mentioned you're from Texas. Yes. What area of Texas are you from? Yeah, um, I'm from Arlington, Texas. Oh, shout out. Um, I also went to University of Texas at Arlington, which I listened to that episode where you talked about. The <laughs> The graveyard, the weird, creepy graveyard in Arlington that I came across when I was a student there too. And it freaked me out because they're like infant gravestones that just say infant on them. And I was like, what happened here? Why is this here? <laughs> like, what is going on? Um, but yeah, and I, we moved uh, to Seattle, Washington about six or seven years ago now. Um, so we've been up here a while. Awesome. Yeah, that uh, it's like, you see the you see the little graveyard and like no one talks about it. it and it just, just I had never yeah. It just says infant. That's it. it. And they're numbered. There's like infant one, infant two. Wow. Like it's really creepy. And nobody knew what I was talking about. I brought it up to some of my classmates and they were like, I've never heard of this. Like you're making this up. And I almost kind of half felt like if I tried to go back and find it again, it wouldn't be there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it disappeared. <laughs> So it's very validating to hear from somebody else that it actually exists. Yes, it actually, it does exist. It is a thing that happened. Uh, I just thought of like that cemetery's been dead for 50 years. It's just like, <laughs> that's why we can't see it. Hi, I'm Molly. And I'm Abigail. We're sisters. And we believe in ghosts. Welcome to Supernatural Sisters, a podcast all about ghostly encounters, bone-chilling monsters, and basically anything that goes bump in the night. Each week, we talk about a haunted place, a legendary monster, or a story that sends shivers down our spines. And maybe we'll talk about the pottery scene from Ghost. He's not a ghost in that scene. There are other parts of that movie where he's a ghost. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. And remember, we, we believe, believe you. Speaking of graveyards... Uh, what, what, what story have you brought us today, Amanda? So I did some research about haunted libraries. <laughs> um, 
my husband thought it was very important to bring up Ghostbusters for some reason because of the um, haunted library in that movie. So I have brought it up. It has been noted. (laughs) (laughs) That was going to be my first question is, is it, are they all like the ghosts at the beginning of Ghostbusters? Yeah. Uh, They're all very similar. Um, Maybe like to each other. I don't know if they're similar to the ghosts from Ghostbusters, but um, it's interesting. So I work at the Seattle Public Library and several of our locations are allegedly haunted. So um, specifically, I work in West Seattle, which is kind of uh, right now called the Accidental Island because the West Seattle Bridge uh, is no longer operational. So it's hard to get there. You kind of have to drive all the way around to get to it. But um, the West Seattle branch is one of the ones that I personally work at that is allegedly haunted. Um, People have recorded, uh, reported lights going on and off, footsteps, a drawer opening on its own, a book in the mystery section flying off the shelf, a pair of feet under a bathroom stall, and they've spotted a tall apparition of a man who grows in size. This is two separate people. And then um, the only thing I have personally experienced, however, is the mysterious toilets that flush on their own. Um, so <laughs> the, the ghost is either um, trying to communicate in flushing in Morris code or it really has to go. I'm not really sure what the story is, but- um, It's moaning Myrtle. <laughs> She's real. <laughs> she lives in Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> she lives in the West Seattle branch. That would make sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's it's very strange um, because people who have worked there have their varying degrees of what they believe. Um, so I asked some of my coworkers, and I have a quote from one of them about it. Um, so. They said, when I first started at West Seattle, I had a vivid dream that I went into the library after hours and saw someone in a hat, seemingly so tall that they were physically stuck in the entrance area where the public restrooms are. I asked if they needed help, but they didn't say anything. I just told them that the library was closed and went about my business. Later, a different coworker informed them that they had seen kind of a similar apparition, a very large figure that grew in size. Um, and so that kind of freaks me out when, when two stories kind of align in a, in a ghost story. Um, so that that person was a former custodian who no longer works for the library, uh, who is in the building by himself. And he was in the basement and he reported seeing that same kind of figure. Um, so that's kind of spooky. But uh, as far as I know, there's no legend or suspicious death associated with the West Seattle branch. Um, It's an old Carnegie building, which um, Andrew Carnegie was a philanthropist in the early 1900s who built a bunch of libraries. And uh, the West Seattle branch is one of them. We have several in our system. So it's an old building. And so that might be why people associate spooky haunted things with it. Because from all I could tell, um, looking through our archives, because Yes, I looked through the Seattle Times and the Post Intelligence uh, in Seattle to find things that may have happened there in the past, but the only thing I could find was this really funny story about these burglars who tried to break in in 1917, and they couldn't break in, and so they only stole the doormat. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
so that was like the only interesting thing that has happened at this branch. <laughs> um, it's been remodeled a couple of times with different um, initiatives from taxpayer funding, but it it doesn't have any sort of suspicious activity associated with it. There's no documented, besides what I could get from my coworkers, no documented stories of hauntings or spooky things. Um, so I thought that was um, kind of disappointing because I was really hoping that I would uncover that it was built on a spot where something had happened, you know, or I don't know. An ancient <laughs> graveyard, of course, a burial ground or where they used to hold like witch hangings or something yeah <laughs> yeah something very so bizarre hope. yeah like a good old hanging tree that was uh dug up so that this building could be built or something right exactly so what but, um alas with your experiences with the flushing toilets uh is that like <laughs> while you're on the toilet because i have that problem <laughs> I have that problem with those automatic flushing toilets that are installed everywhere now. Like they don't give me enough time to like get up and pull my pants back up. And then I'm like, yeah. oh, I don't want all those germs on my body. Like, so is it like while you're yeah. there or is it like the stall over and you're like, no one else is in here? Yeah. So it's, um, we're very limited working, but we're working at the branches, but we're closed. So there's like two people in this building and we're not even usually in the same room or on the same floor, but you know where that other person is. And so I was, you know, working at the desk and then the restrooms flushed and I was like, oh, maybe my coworker was in there, but that doesn't make sense because they're on the other side of the building and there's another restroom down there. So I just like walked over and there's nobody there. The toilet flushed and there's like no reason why it would have, but it is one of those automatic flushers. So I am pretty sure that it's just, malfunctioning like you know it senses that there's something there but why did it sense there was something there exactly I, <laughs> I have that I have that problem with the automatic uh wash the the faucets wash handers oh god what is my brain wash today? handers the wash handers the automatic wash yeah. handers the automatic hand washing machines um <laughs> faucets where I spend oh. <laughs> like you your hand has to be just like so far back or front towards the sensor and so I spend like a good like two seconds like am I dead or is this broken am I dead or is this mm. broken like <laughs> am I a ghost or so I fully believe it's a ghost pooping for all eternity it's, it's sensing ghost butts <laughs> it's sensing ghost butts yeah. mm -hmm. ghost butts ghost ghost buttsers Mm, no, I'll, wow. I should have left. I, I, wow. I, I, I should have left that in the drafts. Everyone drink. <laughs> yeah, so that um, is the West Seattle branch. Um, so other people have reported that the Green Lake branch broiler room, boiler room, broiler room. Boiler. Oh, boiler. Boiler. <laughs> broiler. That would be like when you're making broccolini right. or something. Um, okay. So the, the boiler room. Can I just say how like comforting it is for like <laughs> that to come from a librarian? It's not just me. <laughs> it's just, I, I mean, I have a I have a very elevated, rightfully so, uh, respect and sense of uh, deference to librarians. So it, it's nice to know that there are people too that say words not yeah. quite right. Oh yeah, I think there's something in like, is it a Ramona Quimby book or something about how like she was shocked to find out the librarian couldn't, didn't spell something correctly or something. We're people too, yes. basically, is the, <laughs> and uh, I, yeah, misspell things, misspeak all the time. Um, but I do love 
research. Um, so also the old Central Library was a Carnegie building. So people said that that was haunted. People joked about the new library being haunted because none of the equipment ever seems to work correctly. But um, I seriously doubt that it is. <laughs> um, but the, the most haunted place in all the library system was an old storage unit that was in the Queen Anne neighborhood. And people would report uh, books flying off the shelves, screaming, crying, footsteps, sighs, and several people um, independent of each other saw a woman in a blue dress. Um, so I had several people tell me about this. One person said that they were in there by themselves once, a book fell off uh, the shelf and they tried to put the book back on the shelf, but it was so crammed that it was hard to put the book back on the shelf. So they were wondering how- It could have fallen, yeah. Could have fallen off the shelf basically, cause it was, um, yeah. So that, uh, that place was supposed to be really haunted, um, several, people who work in facilities who, it was a storage unit, so they would put, you know, like old tables and chairs and, and books that were not currently in use there. And so the facilities, a couple of facilities guys were reported to not want to go there anymore. Like they requested they didn't want to, um, yeah, basically set foot in the building anymore because they experienced something spooky that had happened there. Um, and uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, uh, it doesn't exist anymore. Uh, it's been the building that that was in was torn down and uh, condos are being built on top of it. <laughs> so we'll have to wait and see when, once those are built and people are living there, if they experience haunted activity from this mysterious woman in the blue dress. Ooh, but... <laughs> that would be fun. Haunted condos. That's the new, um, what, HGTV show? Yeah. <laughs> With Chip and Joanna. <laughs> All yeah, or it reminds... <laughs> It reminds me of that. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the show Nathan for you. Um, it's a show that was on Comedy Central about this Canadian businessman who helps people turn their small businesses around, but it's like a joke show. And one of his jokes was for a realtor to be like a haunted realtor to like specialize in selling haunted houses, basically. <laughs> okay, but I want that job. <laughs> That sounds amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah. oh, and over here, you'll see that the uh, the walls do the ooze blood. Uh, it is every 45 <laughs> minutes, so you can set your clock to it. Great little reminder. And over here, the baseboards, you can hear a heart beating, just like the Edgar Allan Poe story. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a feature. It's a feature. It's like a water feature, but it's a heartbeat. You know, it's very relaxing. It's like a white noise machine in your floors. No problem. Mm. Yeah, I feel like you'd be good at that. That's like the best job ever. <laughs> Where is that job? It's just like, and then I can add my true crime passion. I'm like, well, I do have to report that 18 people were murdered here. Let me tell you how. Uh, <laughs> <Eighteen>. <laughs> three decapitations. Uh, wow. Yeah. Sorry. This, I got too excited the about The most cheerful, haunted <laughs> realtor. I'd be ever. great at this. Uh, I love would. it. <laughs> there's so I like every once in a while I see people posting like things they found on Zillow or those um, real estate sites that are just mm -hmm. bananas homes and they look perfectly normal from the outside but I remember my friend posted one it's like a nice house from the outside a little older they take you through the rooms and like clearly this realtor was like you have to put these pictures in a specific 
order or we'll never sell this house, right? So it's like <laughs> normal room, normal room, normal room with bad wallpaper. Okay, normal room, room full of mannequins that are nude. <laughs> normal room <laughs> room looks like the sets of the monsters tv show and it was just like what is this house who are these people who live here it's the most i would love having to sell those things can you just imagine like the walkthrough on that like an open house for a home it's like here's some cookies please don't open that door oh, that <laughs> yeah i follow a couple of twitter accounts yeah my favorite ones are the ones what are that are just like I guess hunters gone awry where they put all of their stuffed animal heads all over the walls in every single room. So you're like, who could you just like take those down for the photos right. or, or no? Like <laughs> it's part of the appeal. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who are we trying to sell this to? Exactly. It's just like, I, I just want to be that person who's like, no, no. Can I keep the animal heads? Like, is that part of the purchase? Yeah. It's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. Um, there used to be, I don't know if it still exists, uh, but there used to be this really awesome like curiosity shop. It was this tiny little shop in Capitol Hill in Seattle that had all sorts of like animal skeletons and taxidermied things and mysterious stuff in jars and just like amulets that were like theorized to do things. It felt like going into a, what's that Harry Potter evil store? The Oh gosh, yeah. what was that? Um... All I can think of now is the room of requirement and that's not it. Yeah. <laughs> Nocturne Alley shop. Yeah, uh, yeah. That was like the spooky shop. It made me think of that. And I loved going in there. Although I had to wonder like how they sustained their business. <laughs> like how, how much money are you making off of this? <laughs> like, yeah. That... I imagine most people just go in there to look at it and don't buy anything because they're afraid of being cursed. But... Exactly. <laughs> So uh, on that sort of same vein, I, I do have a haunted doll um, that I keep at my library, the Southwest branch, um, because I was too much of a chicken to take it home with me. Valid, <laughs> valid. Mm -hmm. So I, I listened to a podcast called My Brother, My Brother and Me, and they have a haunted doll watch segment. And um, this doll was still for sale by the time their episode aired. So I purchased it because I'm a sucker and <laughs> it wasn't that expensive. Um, <laughs> and it's called Mischievous Rhea Haunted Spirit Doll Haunted Doll Child was the listing on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that makes sense. I was like, oh, that's so weird. I was like, is it, is it Russian? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, so it, it had, the listing was wild. Um, I don't, the, the, it doesn't exist anymore because, you know, I purchased it, so it's not on eBay anymore. But um, it was basically like that she loved apples. So what I did was I put this cutout of an apple and I put it next to her. So she sits above my desk at work with her at like placated by her apple so that she doesn't do anything weird. But I was, you know, thinking that at some point it could be uh, an interesting experiment to take my haunted doll into like the basement of the West Seattle Library and be like, speak together, spirits. <laughs> See what oh, happens. Amanda is, <laughs> she's about that life. Yeah. <laughs> she, yeah. Not only does she purchase the dolls, she puts it in their already haunted building she works in and she wants them to talk to each other. All right. Wow. That's uh Yeah. Respect. I, mean, I, haven't, <laughs> Cheers. I haven't done it yet, but it's like, you know, on my list because I'm kind of like uh, both 
Mulder and Scully at the same time in that I want to believe, but I have personally never had an experience where I was like, oh, that's definitely a ghost. Mm. You know, even the, the, the toilet flushing, I'm like, that's probably just the toilet. So it's like, I, I, I really do want to believe. So I'm like, but they never appear to me, I guess, because I'm just like too needy, too, <laughs> too desperate. <laughs> if, if there's one thing we know about ghosts, they hate a needy, needy person. <laughs> it's like, no. <laughs> you want it too bad, they don't give it to you. That's how it goes. Must be. Um, <laughs> I also did some research about uh, some other haunted libraries. So I found this book, because I'm a librarian, of course I found a book, <laughs> called Tomes of Terror, Haunted Bookstores and Libraries by Mark Leslie. Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so this book exists out there. This is my library copy, even. I checked it out from the library. Um, and it talks about a couple of different haunted libraries. Um, one that kind of stuck out to me was the um, Willard Library. Because when I read the story, they have a ghost called the Gray Lady. But in addition to being haunted, this library really leans into it. You know, like most other libraries that are haunted try and be all like hush hush and like, don't talk about that. But they have like really capitalized on this. Their website has a fact sheet about the ghosts. They have a ghost cam so that 24 seven, you can look at the different areas that are haunted in the library to see if you can see the gray lady ghost. So this library was founded by local philanthropist Willard Carpenter in 1885. It's uh, the oldest public library building in Indiana. Uh, It was left as a part of his legacy. He wanted to create a women's college, but he lost most of his fortune. So he's like, eh, I'll just build this little library instead. Um, And uh, the legend of the gray lady didn't come about until 1937 when a custodian came in in the middle of the night. It's always a custodian who comes in at the middle of the night. Poor custodians. <laughs> <laughs> so they, uh, the custodian set up a fire in the furnace and um, it was located in the basement because of course, and um, the custodian saw this figure. He nearly bumped into this woman. And when he looked up at her, She was wearing an old fashioned gray dress with a shawl. And as he looked at her, she seemed to fade away into the darkness. So um, since then, many different people, uh, patrons and staff have said that they've seen the gray lady. Uh, The longtime children's librarian, Miss Margaret Mayer, had the most experiences with the gray lady when she worked in the children's department, which is where which is located in the basement where that custodian first saw the gray lady. Um, So while the children's area was being remodeled, the children's librarian claims that the gray lady followed her home to stay with her until the renovation was complete and she could go back to the library. (laughs) (laughs) Convenient. I just like the idea of a ghost being like, you know what, all this pounding, hammering. Can I, can I just crash with you? It's just too loud. It's too much. I'm just going to crash with you. I'm just going to come home just for the time yeah. of the renovation, yeah, like just, she knew. Just... That's hilarious. <laughs> um, so like kind of the libraries in Seattle that I said were haunted, they have experienced things such as books falling off shelves, hearing whispers, voices, footsteps, etc. A former library director once instructed library 
uh, staff to no longer tell patrons about the gray lady and pretend that she never existed. Because um, I guess it's like not a good brand. I don't know. <laughs> We're haunted. Um, since since then, they've clearly done a 180 because they are <laughs> super leaning into this. All about it. Um, Sydney will be outside <laughs> protesting any day Hello. now. Just <laughs> Coming to all these libraries. <laughs> <laughs> And so a few days after the library director requested that they pretend as if this ghost never existed, um, one library staff um, told a patron, uh, if there was a ghost here, she's not here anymore. And immediately a book called Betsy's Wedding fell off the shelf nearby. Um, so she's like, she's not here anymore. And then I am too here, throws the book on the floor. Um, so prior to the basement remodeling, there was another librarian who entered the basement restroom, locked the outer door, and then she heard faucets start to run water into the sink. And when she turned, went out, there was nobody who could have turned on the faucets. You know, the door was locked. Um, so that's pretty creepy. Um, and it sounds like from the way this is described, the faucets were turned. So it's not like an automatic faucet, like my automatic toilet right. flushing. So so that to me is, is a little bit more like those faucets didn't turn themselves. Um, so there haven't been any sightings of the gray lady above the basement floor, but a former custodian said that uh, they got into another former custodian, these poor custodians, <laughs> uh, got into an elevator and pushed the button to go down, but nothing happened. He tried a few more times, frustrated. He said aloud, I want to go down. And then the elevator started going down. Um, so, and then after that, um, the elevator kept going up and down all night long after he got off the elevator. Um, so that's pretty creepy. There is one theory as to who the gray lady could be. It could be Willard Carpenter's daughter, Louise Carpenter, a portrait of her hangs on the first floor. Um, people suspect it might be her because somebody commented on the picture saying she wasn't very attractive. Later, the same person uh, felt quite unsettled during her visit to the library and told library staff that she felt like she was being watched, possibly because she was had insulted the ghost. Right. She's like, uh, what'd you say? Who <laughs> ain't <laughs> cute? Oh, okay. I'll show you. That's funny. Oh, gotta love a petty ghost. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm not really here anymore? Throws a book on the ground. Right. Oh, you think I'm ugly? <laughs> I'm gonna stare at you. <laughs> yeah so I love the story of this little library the Willard Library in Indiana and it's just so charming to me that the people who work there have fully embraced the haunted aspect of their library and actively promote it they before the COVID times they would have tours during Halloween and ghost tours and like I said they have that live video feed that anyone can watch anytime you can go to their website right now and look at those two spots. There's one in the basement. And I think there's one that's sort of trained on like a rocking chair or something that apparently rocks back and forth, possibly. Always a um, rocking chair. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you should instate this system at your library. Um, <laughs> it might be weird, but put a camera in the bathroom uh, <laughs> to catch all the- <laughs> Put a camera on the doll. That you got let's yeah just watch oh. put a camera. less less illegal uh is to put a camera on the doll <laughs> yeah. don't take don't take my advice you will end up in jail 
uh, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I could put the doll in the bathroom when no one else is in there right, and put right. like a little camera <laughs> and see what happens. Yeah, that would be the, great. See how the ghosts interact. Maybe they'll become good friends. I think um, I think what I meant to go for was like having a tour of the bathroom. Just be like, and here's the bathroom. Oh, yeah. We're just gonna stand. We we're gonna stand here in ten for ten minutes to see if the no, no. Flushes. Put the doll in the bathroom. No, yeah, I'm hundred percent for happens. that idea. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm behind that idea hundred percent. Yeah, no mistake. Ooh, um, yeah. That was a uh, when I bought that haunted doll. Several of my friends were like you're not going to keep that doll in your house, are you? <laughs> and, and they're like, we, we need to like, like use some sage to like uh, clear out your house for you to keep that doll in your house. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I'll just keep it at the library. <laughs> so is she, so about the doll, sorry about the doll. Uh, I know we're talking about libraries, but is she like, is she like do stuff? Is she supposed to do stuff? Like did the listing say like she does things or how is she haunted? Yeah. So the listing I think said that she would like move stuff around and things like that and that she using like a Ouija board would like communicate you could ask her questions and she would like answer you um so I haven't attempted any of that because like I said chicken and <laughs> I don't I don't want to release a demonic energy or anything but also I kind of do I don't know, it's, it's complicated yeah it's a complicated relationship <laughs> Right now, I'm just hoping that she's happy with her little apple cut out in my um, cubicle. So do wait. Um, so do your coworkers know it's a haunted doll? I've told a few of my coworkers, um, and they're just like, "Oh, oh, okay." <laughs> <laughs> like we're gonna, um, we're gonna go over there now. Thanks. Nice talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think most of them. It's not weird that I would have a doll in my desk because I also have. A lot of other random things because I'm a children's librarian so I have mm. you know like stuffed animals and I have you know all these books and toys and things and uh I have this like half-sized skeleton that I keep for decorating for Halloween displays <laughs> so I just have a bunch of like random stuff so it's not necessarily unusual that I have that sitting there but yeah I don't think many of them know what it is <laughs> nice I would just like start putting it on other people's desks randomly. How did that get there? And not, and not saying anything. Yeah, just be like, have you seen my doll? Like, just what? <laughs> just start putting her in like in the stacks randomly. It's like, oh God, that would be me. <laughs> That's probably why I can't be a librarian. You know, I would find that so charming if one of my coworkers started doing that for me. Like if they helped me believe in this myth of this haunted doll by moving it around when wow. I wasn't around, that would be so amazing. <laughs> yes. Love it. Um, so the other haunted library I wanted to talk about is the Boston Athenium Library. I think it's how you pronounce it, Athenium. Um, it was founded in 1806. It's one of the most distinguished and independent libraries and cultural institutions in the United States, according to their website. <laughs> <laughs> according to them. <laughs> um, so voted, the voted by us <laughs> on us. Yeah. <laughs> we asked ourselves and we are the best. We agree. Yeah, I mean, yeah. A citation needed, uh, <laughs> Boston and Atham Library. Um, but in the book, Tomes of Terror, uh, Mark Leslie uh, re references the Nathaniel Hawthorne short story um, because evidently he 
frequented, frequented that library and he wrote about a ghost that he saw named Reverend Thaddeus Mason Harris. And he would often see uh, Dr. Harris, as he called him, sitting in the reading room, reading the Boston Post, but no one else could see him. Ooh. <laughs> so um, he wrote about it in a short story called The Ghost of Dr. Harris. Um, and he wrote it down because some lady um, in Liverpool, who was like um, a friend of his, asked him to write it down because he told it at a dinner party he told the story and she was like you got to write that down so that has been uh published and out there but kind of a crossover with the other book that I brought because I was trying to figure out like you know I, I came across this book dark archives a librarian's investigation into the science and history of books bound in human skin and it's by Megan Rosenblum, who is a librarian. I love and otherwise. <laughs> I, I, I love Megan already. <laughs> like that, yeah. that title alone is amazing. <laughs> yeah. And the cover is pretty cool. It's like a skeleton who is like Ooh. in flowers. I don't know. It's I love sticky. it. Um, so this whole book is about the, um, oh, I was lying earlier. Okay. So it's dozens of books. I said hundreds of books. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's just dozens. There are dozens of us, that just like concerning. in Rested Development. <laughs> Hundreds. <laughs> there are dozens of such books that still exist in famous libraries and museums, but also like question mark, there could be more out there, which was one of the things that she talked about in here. Um, so the, um, the Athenium has one such book in its collection, and it is the a uh, narrative and life of George Walton, the highwayman bound in his human skin. Uh, and so <laughs> no one has associated these books with hauntings. I just kind of thought it was interesting that Nathaniel Hawthorne thought this library was haunted and it has a book bound with human skin. I'm like, that can't be a coincidence. Um, so I just thought it was really spooky. This a uh, highwayman narrated his life story to the warden of his jail, um, which was written up into a manuscript. Upon his death, uh, according to Walton's wishes, his friend John Fino had a physician take skin from his back to a tanner to create the leather to bind the book. And the book was bound into two copies, one for the physician, the weirdo who wanted it, I guess, <laughs> and, <laughs> and one for his friend, uh, Fino, so to keep and honor and, and memory of memory of him. <laughs> um, so Fino uh, reported to have used his book, his copy of the book to spank his children and to scare them into good behavior when they were young. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the book was later donated to the Athenium in 1864 by Fino's daughter was probably like take this fucking book away from me because <laughs> I have like terrible nightmares about it um so all of all of that to say that this book would have been in the Athenium's collection uh before Nathaniel Hawthorne was known to have visit the library so by the time he was a frequent visitor of that library they had a book bound in human skin which I think just can't be a coincidence it sort of like adds to the atmosphere of spookiness of this library just priming it for all of these ghostly sightings and occurrences right right i have wow, curse wow, wow. i have questions i have lots of curses 
uh, one, and you kind of touched on this. Who was this doctor who agreed? <laughs> it, is, it is, yeah. Uh, who is this? And that is the world's best, best friend. I was just okay. about to ask you, like, are we close enough that I can ask <laughs> if I can have, you know, once you go? Listen. Can I get, can I get a book mm. from, from your back skin? <laughs> oh, oh God. Uh, when you... <laughs> When you say it like that, no. That's where it came from. I thought you were asking me to make sure your body got used to be bound in a book, no, not I'm the asking, other way around. I'm asking about yours, no. I, I mean, <laughs> I love you, but... How about whoever goes first? <laughs> That's our new gentleman's agreement. Mm, is, there we uh, go. Whoever okay, dies okay. first gets a book made out of their skin. Listen, if you can convince Wanda to let you use my skin for a book um have at it i know i want to be a tree so a book a tree it's all the same right uh in the end <laughs> just, um yeah world's best best friend uh but then mm -hmm. also a complete bastard to then use this to terrorize your children yeah that part's creepy um reeve a physician um at least in megan rosenblum's book she didn't find the name of the physician. So the physician is unknown. Also his copy of the book, its whereabouts it's are currently unknown. It's never been found. <laughs> so the reason they know that there are two books is because it's imprinted in the book that they do have. This book was made two copies, one for the physician and one for this guy, John Fino. So I suddenly want to know everything about <laughs> I want to hear about the process of how you make a book with skin well it's mm -hmm. like a, it's like the tanning process like when you like tan a, an animal hide you like pull it and stretch it and you treat it with chemicals I suppose mm -hmm. and then you just right. bind it to a book but okay yeah okay, <laughs> okay. your face says it all <laughs> but this is also a thing of like okay so this man made a book about himself for whom other than his like what was the purpose here like the true was someone supposed to read this was his friend supposed to like take this on a tour on the road or I don't understand and I'm glad you answered the time period because 18 something makes more sense than like 2000 so <laughs> yeah so so it's just kind of strange I, I think it says in the book, you can read the full text online and you can see the book. Um, the Athenium Digital Collection, I think. Uh, so she interviews some of the staff from the library in her book. And basically you get the gist from the people that she's interviewed that they are tired of this shit. Like they don't want to be asked about it anymore. They don't want anyone to be, because people apparently come there like every Halloween. Mm. And, like, Mm -hmm. people are tourists I know this is like you know a cause of this show to like get ghost tourism down so um, <laughs> yes <laughs> uh this is definitely an, a problem for this book because they have people come in and ask about it all the time so they put they did a digital uh scan of it and it's online so I like looking at the cover it is kind of creepy to look at like because it looks skin colored I don't know, uh, <laughs> which, you know, like it would, unless you dyed it a different color, right? but, um, 
Well, I'm going to see yeah. if we can download some photos and post it somewhere. I'm going to be honest, you know, I, I have my stance on the ghost tours, but I, I want to see the skin book too. I don't know where I stand <laughs> on that. Like that sounds... I mean, it's a thin, yeah. it's a it's a gray area, you know. It it's like, area. is it a ghost or is it a human? You know, corpse. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. No one has reported any like spooky haunting like this, like that. The highwayman has like appeared to them in the library or anything like that. But it's really creepy. I think to have can this you book check? Exist. Can you check this book out? You can check it out. No. Okay. So they. Um, so unlike a lot of their rare books, they don't even allow this book to be physically handled by anyone anymore. Oh, they have it in a glass display case so you can look at it. Um, and they have this digital archive of it. Um, but yeah, I feel like the desire to like touch it to see what it feels like is really- You gotta know. <laughs> yeah, you gotta know. It's like, I also can't imagine being the, uh, the librarian who someone's like, I want to check out this book. And they're like, why? And you're like, because I want to touch it. And you're like, <laughs> listen, I'm a librarian. I deal with too much bullshit all day anyway. Um, you can leave. Like, I just want to touch, yeah. I just want to touch the skin book. Rub your face. I don't know what else to tell you. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is what it feels like. what it feels like, you weirdo. Like, sorry, not to yuck people's yums or anything, but yeah, that's a little. Yeah. Cool. It's like. I don't know. I think I, I I feel better about the bodies exhibit instead of just turning myself into a book. It seems a little more worthwhile. Yeah, I I was highly disturbed by the <laughs> bodies exhibit because I thought that it was going to be purely scientific. Like here's a cutaway of a human body. This person had like lung cancer or whatever. Like that's kind of interesting to look at. But then there were the sculptures that were like the capillaries like coming out of their wrists yeah. into like butterflies or whatever and I'm like why <laughs> like what <laughs> this is not what I wanted and I had the somewhat opposite effect of like I've seen pictures of other bodies exhibits and I'm like why wasn't that at the one I went to <laughs> I wanted to see that weird slightly gross thing when I paid for my ticket should all be the same equal equal under the law that's what I want uh of my bodies exhibits Sorry. That's fair. I, I was very upset. I was like, that wasn't what I got to see a bunch of fetuses. I would have rather have seen the dissection of a penis. Yeah. Well, I think there was also one that was like playing chess with his body parts. It was very strange because it weird. was like <laughs> very sculptural. And I wonder when they signed their bodies over, did they know that that was what was going to happen? Or did they, th did they think it was going to be for science? Because uh... everything is science. <laughs> the science umbrella. I feel, I feel like that's the waiver that they keep intentionally vague where it's yeah. like we will use your body in a display type yeah. of situation. Yeah. yeah we're gonna have you miming with your capillaries <laughs> out. How do you feel how do you feel about berets while living? We'll, just... we'll use your spleen as a beret. Oh god. <laughs> Oh man, because that, oh. that's what it was. It was like their body parts being used as like props and I'll do that. It was awesome. What happened to that? They should bring that back in a big way. That was a <laughs> that was a huge thing in the early two thousands. Bring that back, the bodies exhibit. Um, so those were the the two other libraries that I brought to the table. Um, thus ends my uh, my library research. Although I will also recommend. 
the haunting of the Peora Public Library, which is a library in Illinois. There's a American Libraries magazine has a podcast called Dewey Decibel, and they did an in-depth study of that library. Um, so I figured it would just be better to point people in that direction because they like went and they interviewed people and did like live recordings and stuff. So it's a pretty cool uh, section there. But I was like, man, Indiana, Illinois, like there were so many in the from the book too is set in those states. And I'm like, what's going on up there? Why is why are your libraries haunted? Yeah, what happens in Illinois? I don't know anything about it. It's a lot People of die. It's a lot of tribe. <laughs> tribe I would assume tribal land. Aren't there buffalo in Illinois? No, am I making stuff up? Am I dumb? I feel like you know more about Illinois than I do because all I know is um, basically wait Indiana. I think Pawnee, Indiana, from uh, <laughs> Parks and Rec. <laughs> I'm like that. That's all I got yes. from that area. Yeah, yeah. No, that and that Chicago. Chicago is in, in Illinois. Illinois, right? No, that's right. the extent <laughs> of my knowledge as well. So we're on the we're on the same page. Where did you um, say it was in Indiana? What was the city? Um. So this one was in Illinois. It's Peoria public library yeah and uh the other one that I mentioned was from um Indiana that one was the doo -doo -doo, the Willard library okay why do you have there, do you have some Indiana insider knowledge I know I think whatever isn't Michael Jackson from one of those cities I think so isn't he from um yeah he's from Indiana yeah right yeah I don't know what he has to do with ghosts, but okay. Nothing. I was thinking about, <laughs> that's the only thing I know about Indiana. <laughs> Just one of the many times I randomly think about Michael Jackson. He that's could be a I ghost know. in Indiana, you don't know? That is true. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Very okay. true. He was a very haunted person. Um, we won't get into that at all. <laughs> at all. Um, <laughs> moving on. Uh, awesome. Well, thank you, Amanda. Thank you. Uh, was that, I'm sorry, was that it? Yep, those were my stories that most of the haunting library stories, I, I came across a bunch more from the book and online. They're all kind of similar. There's like footsteps, there's whispers, there's books flying off the shelves, and there's a figure, usually a woman in old timey clothes. Um, so uh, sometimes there's a rocking chair involved. Sometimes there's a, um, you know, toilets that flush by themselves. I mean, it's all kind of, <laughs> kind of in the similar vein. Um, but nothing that had a, a story that really stuck out with me. I, I will kind of like maybe end on a quote from like a, a library in Mexico that was a university library that was haunted. I read in an interview something to the effect of one of the library staff saying that like libraries are the, like prime for haunting because of all of the stories that they hold and all the lives that they uh, talk about, especially when you have a library that has old books that are about really hard times like Spanish Inquisition and things like that that this particular library had that it just makes sense that you would have a haunted feeling like an atmosphere because you know there's all these stories about all these people who used to live and their lives and it's it haunts us even still today all the horrible things that used to happen and still happen <laughs> awesome wow thank you um no and that actually touches on a point that I was going to ask you about um, because I was wondering what would it be about a library because we hear about spirits haunting places where there's a lot of emotional energy like hospitals mm -hmm. or theaters or you know different 
entertainment or just anything where emotions are high. So I didn't know what correlation a library might have to that theory. So that, but that does make sense. You have books that are, you know, a, you know, writers pour themselves into these things a lot of time. And then you have, especially in a library, you have multiple people coming in and touching and taking home and reading for different reasons. And all of this energy is just kind of like bound up and soaked into these pages. So that makes sense that um, it would be kind of like this lesser known hub of energy. Just like I would never think of a library as having that kind of energy, but that's really. I mean, especially really when you have a, a book with someone's actual skin. There is that <laughs> book. Yeah, absolutely. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Awesome. Well, uh, so we, we do, t <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think it's like, it's been so long. What, what do we do with guests? Uh, I do, we do typically ask, uh, you mentioned that you're a little bit of a skull, scully slash molder personality. Um, it's so funny. I was listening to an episode of your podcast where that came up and I can't remember, I think it was Gabby didn't understand what someone had said about Mulder and Scully. So they had no idea what show they were talking about. She's like, I've never heard that show. They're like, you haven't watched the X-Files? <laughs> and she's like, no. And she's like, Scully or Mulder? She's like, oh, I heard you say something. It was, I don't know, it was a funny moment. Anyway. Yeah, it was the exiles. She was like, I haven't heard of that. <laughs> right, the exile, yeah. I haven't heard of that. Yeah, so, but um, given that you're a bit of a Scull, uh, Scully and Mulder, um, what do you believe like a ghost to be? Yeah, I kind of feel like I subscribe mostly to the theory that it's, they're kind of echoes, you know, like the idea, I was watching some sort of like cheesy ghost hunter show that took place in England and they were talking about the Roman soldiers that uh, haunted this one building in the basements. Um, and it just seems sort of like the echo of some, energy that is stored in a place or an object and you're just able to connect with it and sense it or see it or feel it and uh, that's kind of how I think of ghosts less like things maybe that you interact with and more things that you can just kind of experience that are echoes of something that happens once if that makes sense <laughs> yeah okay and that I think that makes sense with a lot of what we see in a lot of ghost stories and even to like the flushing of a toilet, uh, an experience being repeated over and over, like this ghost repeats the same actions over and over. They don't seem to be moving forward. So that makes sense as far as like it being an echo where it's just only repeating what has already been said. Um, yeah, I like that. Is there a particular, you mentioned like the, the things that happen in some libraries are mostly like books flying off or someone being seen. What would be your preferred, apart from the toilet interactions you already have, <laughs> if you were to say, go down and, and invoke these ghosts, what would, what would you like to happen? Would you, are you more of a books flying off the shelves haunting? Probably not, because then you have to pick them up and resort them uh, <laughs> as a librarian. Or, or more of the like seeing someone or like even that full Ghostbusters where it's like she's a mean, angry person and like she comes at you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see like a specter, like a form of a ghost. You know, I would just love to see something really definitive, like 
there's a figure of a person floating and then they disappear, you know, because I feel like you can almost explain a lot of the other things like, oh, it's an old building with weird wiring and, you know, crappy plumbing, whatever. But then if you actually see something like that, then it's like, this was real. I saw it. You know, it wasn't just like my hair in my face. You know, I could just like actually, you know, see a defined figure. That would be really cool. Um, I don't want it to interact with me or to, <laughs> you know, like uh, hurt me in any way. I just kind of want to, to witness it. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, I'm going to ask this only because I've been watching it recently. Uh, and you might not even know what I'm talking about. Thoughts on the Doctor Who episode, Silence in the Library? Oh, um, it's been a while since I've seen that, I think. But that's the one where he's like, we're in a library. We have books are the best weapon. Is that the one? Uh, it's the one where the shadows in the library are eating people's flesh. The Vashta Narada. Literally the shadows that melt the flesh. Oh, what? <laughs> I don't remember that one at all. Okay, well, I gotta go back to that. I used to be a huge Doctor Who fan, but I stopped watching... Probably, yeah, before Peter Capaldi became the doctor, I didn't watch anything of his onward. I kind of, I have a lot of backlog to catch up on. Yeah, he's not the best, so I understand that. <laughs> um, no, it was like one of the last David, well, it's the Donna, yeah, so it's one of the last David Tennant episodes, mm. and it's Donna, and it's the introduction of River Song, which is why I love it. So, Aww. but anyway, it's there's there's these little shadows in the library, and they're actually like alien creatures, and they, if you see two of your shadows, one of them are the alien creatures and they're gonna eat your flesh. And then you're like a walking corpse through the library. I need to rewatch that like immediately. <laughs> I just watched it recently, which is why I thought about it. So sorry about that. Are there any, are there anything like misconceptions about librarians that like just drive you crazy? <laughs> oh yeah, there's a few. So a lot of people ask, um, People ask questions that really sort of uh, tell on themselves, I think, you know, where they say like, oh, why do we need the library? Everybody has the internet or why do we need the library when I could go and buy books or things like that, where it's like, do you realize that there are people who don't have internet access, who don't have money to buy books? You know, it's just sort of like confusing to me. So it's a, <laughs> like, we're yeah, it's a very uh, privileged viewpoint. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my biggest uh pet peeve is the the misconception that libraries are obsolete when we provide a service in this like ever widening chasm between the haves and the have-nots and we're often called upon to do things that are outside of our scope you know a lot of like we I mean I'm not personally but a lot of librarians have been trained um, with Narcan to like um, revive somebody who's OD'd and things like that so like the services that we provide are pretty large in scope you know, from like helping the homeless to, you know, literally being EMTs <laughs> to, um, you know, being meal sites to X, Y, Z, wide variety of things. Um, so the scope of just like being a, a book jockey where we push books on people is, <laughs> is a very limited view of what libraries do, especially now we often end up filling the gaps, plugging the holes in the ship that's going down because they're not investing in proper services for people, so. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, hadn't, hadn't really thought of it that way, but that's very, very, very true, obviously. That. Yeah, I love that, that's so amazing. Is that, uh, I, clear, I, I assume that's not why you got into library science, <laughs> was to be reviving people who have 
uh, abused narcotics um, who are overdosing. So what kind of drew you to the library sciences? Yeah, I was actually um, at the University of Texas at Arlington getting a- I believe that's, I believe that's North Texas at Arlington, no, just kidding. Oh, <laughs> University of North Texas at Arlington. <laughs> um, <laughs> getting a, a film degree and um, I did a project with the library and their teens. So they had like a teen studio where they work with teens to learn um, creative softwares. So I, I did a program with them and just really liked working with the librarian there. And so they had a job opening and I applied and I got the job because they remembered me from that project we worked on. And uh, it is just like, I really like the people who work in libraries, like just really big hearted people who, you know, are often <laughs> uh, taken advantage of for their, you know, their empathy and their um, ability to work long hours and things like that, which is unfortunate. But um, it just kind of felt like my place to be, you know, like I was thinking about all the people that I worked uh, with uh, in, get, in terms of getting my degree and how I was like, I don't super get along well with this crowd of people, this group of people. Um, and so it was just like a, a life, uh, just, you know, like, how do you want to live your life and what do you want to be surrounded by people who are like, who make you feel good, I guess. <laughs> so that's why I went into libraries. It's kind of a vague, weird answer, but, um, I do like reading and books, uh, which was not always the case. I was not a reader when I was a kid. It just sort of happened when I was a teenager. Um, but so it's kind of strange being a children's librarian and people are like, oh yeah, this but this children's book. And I'm like, I never read that. I didn't read books when I was that old. <laughs> um, but it also helps me like get in with reluctant readers to be like, oh yeah, I just read like Captain Underpants or something, you know, cause it's like, read what makes you happy. <laughs> That's my philosophy. Um, so it's just, yeah, I think I just got into it because I enjoyed working with the people there. And it seems like a, a fun uh, way to give back to my community. Awesome. What were you going to do in film? What was your original goal? Well, I wanted to be a television writer, like write episodes for TV shows. Oh, nice. Um, but I didn't get very far down that path, yeah. <laughs> obviously. Oh, what, uh, what, what years were you at UTA? Um, I was there, I think from 2009 to 2011. Oh, okay, yeah. We missed each other by a few years. So. Yeah. Wait. I mean. Yes. Yeah. I gra <laughs> I, gra I graduated '07, so yeah, we were okay a couple of years apart. So awesome. Well, okay. So that kind of leads. You mentioned something that kind of leads me into my next question because I was going to ask you because I have like my two favorite children's books. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> and I wanted to know if you'd ever heard of them. Uh, one is, I think it's. Uh, I can't remember the exact title, but it's like the Cinderella Penguin. And it's the Cinderella story, but it's told by penguin. Like all the characters are penguins. I'm gonna add this to my library holds. I don't know if hold that's on. I don't know if that's the exact name. But it's like <laughs> Cinderella. They're all penguins, and it was like I think the illustrations were like the best thing to me. Uh, I'm gonna Google Cinderella penguin. The tender tale of Cinderella penguin <laughs> is a animated short series, but I guess it's also a book. Uh, Janet Perlman, Cinderella Penguin, or the Little Glass Flipper. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I have the Little Glass Flipper. Oh, this looks amazing. 
from 1995. Is that a penguin it's... with a broom? Yes, she's Cinderella. <laughs> and her hair. <laughs> you know, this like curly yellow hair. <laughs> okay. Never seen a penguin with hair. It's again, the illustrations are probably what drew me in. It's the cutest. It's Cinderella, but oh, there's a series I didn't know about. But okay. penguins. They did the penguin and the pea. <laughs> oh, our library doesn't have it. Darn oh, it. But the, the King County Library has it. Okay. Uh, yeah, that that's a, a favorite of mine. I don't own it anymore, <laughs> I don't think. But, and then my other one, and I tell people about this book and they think I'm crazy, but it's called Bye Bye Baby. I don't know that one either. <laughs> bye bye, baby. So don't don't be mad. I think someone stole this from a library for me as a gift. Um, <laughs> but bye bye, baby. Oh, a sad story with a happy ending. Is that it's the subtitle? Janet. It's not on the cover, but it's on this uh, oh, Amazon list. Yeah, no, that pretty much explains it, I guess. It's uh, it's this baby who goes around asking, he's taking care of himself, uh, doesn't have a mom or dad, and he goes around asking all these random like animals and people and creatures if they'll be his mom, and they're like, <laughs> no. And then at the end, he finds like some random childless woman, <laughs> and she's like, sure. And then they find like a man who's a farmer, and he's like, well, will you be my dad? And he's like, okay. And then. <laughs> like ask an old man to be his grandpa it's very random but it's one of my favorites uh do, do you have uh any great as a librarian do you have any great book recommendations like what's what's your favorite genre or since you're a children's mm -hmm. librarian are there any like just mm. spectacular children's books we should all be reading even as adults oh man yeah this is like asking a librarian to pick favorites is like asking us to pick our favorite child although <laughs> i am I will recommend this Dark Archives book. Already, um, already on the list, yep. <laughs> yes, uh, that was pretty amazing. Um, in general, my favorite book is Parable of a Sower by Octavia Butler. Yes. So, um, that uh, duology, <laughs> two books, uh, those books are really good um, and crazy, like prophetic in unfortunate ways. <laughs> um, and I would say there's a children's book. There are so many good picture books out recently right now. There's this author, this picture book author that I'm kind of obsessed with um, named Ogi Mora, who has a couple of picture books that I love. So she wrote one called Saturday, which is about a mom and her daughter going out on a Saturday to have a special day. Cause it's cause Saturdays are their special day. Her mom works every other day of the week. So they get to hang out on Saturdays and, but the, everything, every step of the way, something bad happens, but they realize at the end that, you know, the point of it is that they're spending time together, not that they're doing X, Y, or Z. So it's really sweet. And then there's um, thank you Omu, which is about a little boy whose uh, grandmother makes stew for everyone in the neighborhood and they all smell the stew and they come in and they each try the stew until there's no stew left for them and then they're sad but then all their neighbors bring all their food over and so it's kind of like a stone soup type uh story almost like if the whole community pitches in and feeds each other kind of sweet story um so yeah i would recommend checking out her picture books whatever else she makes i'm sure will be great too i hope she keeps cranking them out <laughs> um well amanda thank you so so much for your stories today, for joining us, for being our 
first guest in 2021 <laughs> and our first guest in a long, long time. In 87 years. <laughs> it's been 87. She's been dead for 50 years. Oh, so sorry. That's what you're going to find out tomorrow when you're editing or whenever you start putting this together and you're going to reach out to me for some feedback and I'm going to be like, responding as you know my child or something like oh she died 50 years ago like what listen <laughs> I do not wish death on you but that would be a dream um just, <laughs> that's gonna talked, creep me out we talked to a ghost <laughs> like we talked to a ghost oh my god yeah it Maybe still hasn't happened yet so she was super corporeal too really <laughs> yeah. like, really vivid you know I could see I could see the red hair it was great um <laughs> So you have a podcast of your own. Tell us a little bit about your podcast. It's uh, a few librarians getting together, being amazing, I assume. Yes, it's called the Ask Us Desk. Our initial concept was that people would ask us questions because as librarians, we like to get questions. And, and I really love getting the question of what is this book from you know childhood or that I read a few years ago that I can't remember the name of. It's one of my favorite things to do. Um, but we realized that you can't really have that structure of podcast until you have a listenership. So um, basically what it is now is we are promoting a reading challenge. We're trying to get people to read outside their comfort zones with the hashtag ask us reading challenge um, year round. So we have all these different categories, these reading prompts, and um, we want people to fill in all the reading prompts over the course of 2021. Um, so we've got some good stuff going on. There we have some prizes that we've given away to people who have participated. It's been awesome. Um, and other than that, we talk about library stuff and we talk about books that we like and just other random life things, pop culture, et cetera. Amazing. Well, is there anything else you would like to add before we wrap up this evening, this day? Sorry, it's like still really- <laughs> It's still light outside. It, yeah, it's, it's really fucking bright everywhere. outside <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> in all of our time zones. <laughs> um, we can end on two of Ranganathan's laws of library science. And just remember that two of the five, for every book, their reader, and every reader, their book. <laughs> Keep that in mind. <laughs> that was the classiest thing we've heard on this show in a while, I will say that. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, amazing. Well, where can the, where would you like to be found? Where would you like the people to find you on the internet? Um, you can find me at Amanda Grace Reads on Instagram or at Amanda Grace Hua, H-U-A, my last name, um, on Twitter. Or you can find uh, our podcast at Ask Us Pod on either of those platforms. Fan. Fantastic. Well, thank you again so, so much, Amanda, for joining us today. Love the stories, love the information, love the conversation, loved having a guest again. Uh, uh, thank you again for your Patreon support and your support online. Uh, it's such a joy and it's deeply, deeply appreciated by us both. Yes. And uh, Miss Sydney, anything else? Uh, no, I, I, I'm very grateful for having a guest as well. It's, it's really nice to like listen to stories from elsewhere. Not that Camille's not, she's doing a fantastic job. <laughs> I just want to put that out there. Her research, even <laughs> in the last minute is very good. <laughs> um, but these were, this was very interesting stories. And like, 
it's always so cool to hear about like librarians. I love that. So yeah. Yeah, we're out here making trouble. <laughs> well, again, thank you everyone for joining us today. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Sydney. Thank you, me, um, for showing thank you, up. Thank you, Camille, for showing up. Uh, Thank you, dear listeners. Uh, you can find me at uh, the Camille Monet. Sydney, where are you? Where would I'm you like to be found? At Sid and Play, pretty much everywhere. Perfect. So. Finally made the TikTok official. Yes, I see. even even TikTok now at Sid and Play. So lovely, because branding—that's what it's about. Got to make it. it Got to make it work. You can find the podcast at Boozed Pod on all platforms as well. In- including TikTok. I'm trying. I don't know what to tell y'all guys. It's a thing. Um, And don't forget, you can also find us and other shows kind of like us at podmoth.network. That is our family of shows, our host of uh, our, 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 what's the word? Our pod fam. Our pod fam. Yeah, there are the new shows. Yeah, check out the shows. Uh, you, you'll hear an ad maybe at the end of the show for one of the shows, maybe at the beginning of the show. For, I don't know. I forgot to segue into it at some point. So we'll see where it's, I stick it at the end. <laughs> Surprise. Um, but yeah, check them out. Podmoth uh, on social media as well. Thank you, dear listeners. <laughs> uh, give Amanda's uh, ask, ask Us Desk. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Give that podcast a listen, support them. We love you. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Wear a goddamn mask. Get your vaccinations. Get your vaccinations. And then still wear a mask because that's what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. For now. And we will see you next time here at Boost Pod. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Boozed. Our theme was composed by Vincent Parrish. Sound production is done by Sydney Johnson. You can find us on social media at Boozed Pod. That's B-O-O-S-E-D Pod. If you would like to support the show, please go to patreon.com slash boozedpod to make a contribution. Thank you for listening. And don't forget, get boozed. <laughs>